Shot is no good. The rebound tapped back outside. The cannon drives the lane. Blocked by Wolf. Rebound Pennsylvania. Dave Wall. The Bilski's Leon to the wall in the middle. Up and good. Leon too fast. Great. Executed to perfection. Here comes Fields the other way to the foul. Gets to the foul line. Blocked from behind by Wall. Wolf with the rebound. No good. Rebound Bob Wolf. Pennsylvania. Hot left pass to Bilski. Jacob's going to run again. Bilski has Calhoun and Wolf all the way underneath. Did he go through? Welcome to Penalty Box. Uh, I'm Sam Mitchell, here as always with Mark Margolis. Uh, unfortunately, our co-host, Carter Thompson, uh, will not be able to join us today. Hopefully he'll be back next week, but he, um, he is busy. So it'll just be Mark and I today talking he is about... He's busy. Yeah. <laughs> He's perpetually busy. But um, Mark and I are here, and we will be talking about everything Penn Athletics. Welcome back to all of our listeners to another... Um, year of Penn Athletics. We're really excited to get started after the hiatus um, over the summer, and it's good to be back. Uh, yeah, so right now we have uh, Penn football, uh, the strong 2-0 record, taking care of business handily in their first two games. Uh, we had a 34-17 uh, win over Bucknell and a 30-10 win over Lehigh uh, just this past weekend. So I guess, Sam, what were some of your biggest takeaways uh, from the weekend? I mean, the team looked great, obviously. Um, you know, that's your hope that they kind of take care of business in the non-conference and, and, and get ready for Ivy play, which I think is what they've done. Um, one of the biggest highlights just seeing those two games is the, the D-line play has been outstanding. I mean, that's a, a position group that we knew had a lot of strength coming into this season, but um, they've definitely lived up to that. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts well, on, I mean, on that. Yeah. Last year, the defense was actually one of the – was actually one of the biggest weaknesses Penn had. They were bottom half of the Ivy League in basically every major statistical category. But they hired a new defensive line coach, Hank Hughes, who had served uh, as a, in the same position at Nebraska when they had a top 10, 15 rushing defense. I believe it was in 2015. And they've come in now, and they held... Uh, I mean, they held Lehigh's rusher. He might not look at 23 carries, 113 yards, which might not seem that impressive, but this was a guy who was a first-team All-American uh, and really gashed the Quakers last year when they gave up 47 points uh, to this Lehigh team. Um, in fact, I mean, the defense has done a complete 180. So they first game last year, they gave up 24 points to a Division II team, and then they win a shootout 63-47 the next game against Lehigh, and fast forward this year, and they're winning the turnover battle, they're getting pressures on the quarterback, and where I'm really encouraged specifically is the game against Lehigh. Bucknell's quarterback coming in, I mean, I'd say he's more like the Nathan Peterman of the Patriot League. Uh, that The offense as a whole had twice as many turnovers as offensive touchdowns. So even though Penn, you know, forced four to five turnovers, they actually let up but they actually led the most points of the season to Bucknell of any of Bucknell's opponents. So Bucknell scored 7, 14, and 17 against Penn. So I wasn't ready to, you know, to not to crown, you know, this Penn defensive resurgence. But, I mean, Lehigh's offense is one of the, they're, they're running back, Dom Bragalone, you know, returning All-American, their quarterback, Brad Mays, first-team All-Patriot League guy. And they held them both relatively in check. I mean, uh, to only give up, 
you know, 10 points to what was an explosive offense last year, returning most of their key guys. Right. I mean, that's, it's undeniably impressive. And they're doing it, they're doing it without Sam Filippi, who, uh, Filippi, who lost, uh, you know, who's out for an undetermined stretch of time after a scary injury um, in, the, in the Lehigh game. And I, I think that can't be overstated how, how important that is. You know, he's been a big contributor and, and a big kind of chemistry guy, I think, for the team. And um, just the fact that they've been successful even with his absence is very promising. Um, I think it, that kind of represents a new mentality on this this team and on the side of the ball, um, just kind of next man up and, and just chugging right along. And this team's this team's gonna need this team's gonna need the defense more than ever. I mean, la- I mean, basically since Justin Watson, we haven't you know, not since really since Alec Torgerson. You know, the, the offense took a bit of a step back last year, right. and we're st- there's still some question marks at the quarterback position. Ryan Glover definitely had a better game his second go around. Uh, he took care of the ball, which is big after three turnovers in his first game. But you know they're gonna they're gonna lean on their defense this year. I think more than any years, more more than any time in the Priori era. So absolutely, uh, this resurgence is definitely uh, it's definitely encouraging. Um, and uh, maybe this is a good time to transition into. I mean, you you mentioned Glover. It kind of seems like he's locked up that job at quarterback. Um, I, I don't know. It's you know it really does seem that way. I uh, it's bizarre because I interviewed uh, Ray Priori the week before. Uh, you know, we upcoming game against uh, against Bucknell, and you know he said explicitly that both quarterbacks are going to play in the first couple games. You know, it was a wide open competition, and then you know the Bucknell game comes and goes, and Ryan and Ryan Glover plays every snap, despite committing three turnovers. And this game, he was a lot better. So, I mean, as of right now, uh, for whatever reason, Glover seemed to have taken you know hold of the job. Um, seems to, and you can't argue with results. Penn is winning. I still do think that. Um, I mean, they missed a lot of a good opportunity in non-conference play to definitely test out both quarterbacks. Right. But if I were Coach Priori, I still think it's worth. You know, Nick Robinson is someone who arguably should have started last year. Um, you know, had six touchdowns, one pick. 65% completion percentage. I mean, he's a guy who can play at the Ivy League level. Absolutely. And, you know, until I see Ryan Glover really, you know, take reign to the starting job, not just from Coach Priori handing, like, giving him the job, but, you know, from his style, from the way, from the numbers he puts up, right. I still think Nick Robinson should get a shot out there. Absolutely. I mean, you'd expect um, to have seen Glover really outperform those numbers that Robinson put up from last year, and, and we just haven't seen that yet. I mean, he's he's been good, but we, he's been good, not great. We we, and, we haven't seen evidence that that he's just just blowing us out of the water, you know. And uh, one thing that's definitely I've loved is the uh, the running back tandem of uh, Abe Willows and Carrick and Brooks. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Brooks had three TDs last weekend. He had three touchdowns, but Penn's leading receiver was Abe Willows out of the backfield. And what I guess doesn't get taught, what you know, what we we really didn't cover enough in DP Sports, was um, you know we had a whole feature on Carrick and Brooks, but you know Abe Willows is probably their, it's probably their best catcher out of the backfield. He's right. You know, he's probably their best dual threat as a running back. Um, definitely really strong out of the backfield, and he had a you know he Carrick and Brooks had a hurdle I think first game, and Abe Willows followed it up. I mean this is. 
this looks to be one of the stronger running back duos in the Ivy League. Which, I mean, can't come at a better time for Penn football, given the uncertainty around the quarterback position and um, given, you know, to, to go in just two years from uh, NFL talents like Torg and Jay Watt to now, you know, um, a, a group of receivers and, and two quarterbacks that are good but not necessarily um, at that professional level, um, to have a strong running game is going to be so, so helpful in kind of covering up um, some okay. of those areas also, where we're missing. Uh, Carrick and Brooks will also, you know, it'll keep him fresh throughout the season. Oh, yeah. You know, he's not, he doesn't have to be a work. He could be a workhorse, but he doesn't have to be. Right. And that's what's great. Also, on the receiving core, Christian Pearson, uh, 2016 second-team All-Ivy, kind of had a down year last year. But after missing the first game of the season, came back. He was at a quiet day, two catches, 30 yards. But he's definitely someone to watch out for. He's definitely the most accomplished, experienced receiver coming back and will play a pretty big role. Totally. Um, because as much as, like, you know, you love seeing Abe Willows rack up the PPR points with the 46 yards on four receptions, I don't know if it's a sustainable model to have your running back be your re- leading receiver. Absolutely. And, I mean, the, the truth is that, you know, um, Jay Watt, I think, accounted for over 50% of the um, the, re- the receptions on, on the entire Penn offense last year. And so um, the truth is kind of that, like, you can now give Willows a lot of receptions and, and still have plenty to, to go around for the receivers. And, and it's not clear yet who's going to step up out of that receiving core, but the people that do are going to put up big numbers this year because there's a lot of receptions to go around. I mean, you'd hope that they can put up some big numbers. You haven't seen it yet. I mean, none of, I mean, no, none of these guys are Justin Watson. I mean, no one's Justin right. Watson. These guys are not going to the NFL. I mean, you know, I'll eat my words if they do, but it's it's unlikely, uh, you know, Logan Sharp, Christian Pearson, Steve Farrell, you know, will be on the NFL roster. But that doesn't, but they're definitely Ivy League starting quality receivers. Absolutely. And, you know, even with the loss of Justin Watson, it's definitely on, you know, offense corner John Regan and Glover to get these guys into open positions, uh, to get these guys the ball, because specific, because, Christian Pearson especially, he can be a real playmaker as we saw in his sophomore year. And if he right. if he gets that magic back again, I mean he could this could be a dangerous pen offense with two uh quality junior running backs and, you know, a receiver looking to break out in Christian Pearson. Absolutely. So um you know, with, with all that being said, uh obviously the the team is traveling all the way up north to Dartmouth next weekend and uh that will commence the beginning of conference play for the team it's what really matters right it, it's it's what counts right and and uh i think maybe we should make some predictions before that all gets started because um, by by this time next week we'll have one in the books for penn football so let's uh let's talk about that um so for this upcoming i mean penn lost on a thriller last year i think it was fourth down play dartmouth brings in their backup quarterback yep. to convert you know fourth down fourth and goal but Honestly, I think I I think you know as much as I my bias might lean one way. I think if I were betting in Vegas, not that Vegas you know has odds on Ivy League games, <laughs> but uh, I would probably take Dartmouth. I if I if I looking at it objectively, I would have to take Dartmouth. I think they're gonna. I think they're they'll win in like a relatively close game. I you know something like twenty eight twenty. I could tell. I could see twenty eight twenty one, but. Dartmouth returns a lot of their talent on both sides of the ball, and you can't say the same for Penn. Penn still has you know, questions at the quarterback position. 
we haven't seen this defense, you know, against Ivy League competition. You know, we can hope that this resurgence is real, that this isn't just, you know, a quick blip. But um, but until then, I, I don't, you know, I can't really confidently take the Quakers over Dartmouth this week. Um, yeah, I mean, th- those are a lot of good points. Uh, I, I like the Quakers in this matchup. I think um, Dartmouth, uh, and, and this was, was surprising to me to see because they had a pretty strong season last year. I, I mean, the, the Ivy League overall, I think, was strong last year, but... Um, Dartmouth came in at um, at sixth in the preseason poll um, to Penn's fifth. They're they're right neck and neck, and um, I, I I like the Quakers to to put it together um, up in Hanover and 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 figure out a way to win. Um, I think that there's been a lot of consistency in this team. Last year was more of an outlier. I think although they were obviously grappling with with Torg being gone. I think the infrastructure in this team is strong. Um, the changes in the defense are going to be able to offset um, kind of the downgrades in, in the offense this year. It, it, if there are downgrades, I mean, we've written a lot at the DP and, and talked with the coaches a lot about how um, losing J-Watt is obviously a big blow, but um, they're making serious changes to the offensive schemes, and I, I think... The offense is different this right, year. Right, you know? it, They're just going to run things differently when you don't have that kind of a talent at wide out. Um, you just... Uh, obviously going to run different plays. I I think Penn puts it together and, and wins a close one in, in Hanover. could definitely go either way, but I'm going to call it how I see it. Absolutely. Um, so, so I guess speaking of Penn football beyond, uh, Justin Watson, I think we've mentioned him about 100 times already. I think so. <laughs> but uh, right now he, st- he made the Bucks 53-man roster. Absolutely. And is currently, uh, you know, is currently on a Bucks team, looking like one of the more dangerous teams in the league. Uh, though he's been inactive the first two weeks, you can't say that uh, he doesn't have anything to do with Ryan Fitzpatrick's breakout season. Absolutely. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a Harvard guy, another Ivy Leaguer. Right. Yeah, you know, I'm sure having Justin Watson in the locker room has been instrumental oh, in yeah. his resurgence this season. I mean, we know at Penn he was a crucial locker room guy. I'm sure he's got the same same role down in Tampa Bay and uh, he's making a big impact there. And they also have, uh, they have Cameron Braid, a Harvard grad tight end, right. and the, uh, the guy Nassib from, from Hard Knocks. Oh, yeah, gave yeah, the yeah. financial advice. Which, That's by right. the way, if any Warren Knights or just people in general are listening, he talked about in Hard Knocks about how if you invest this much money, you'll get 10% return, and then it'll blow up, and you'll get all this money back. But you never get 10% return. It was, like, ridiculous. Well, I mean, I think if you're, like, a multimillionaire, like, uh, you know, professional football player you get a much better return than if you're you know i get i those numbers i remember watching that and i was like that seems too good to beach but hey look i'm not 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 knocking nasa's intelligence i mean look the bucks clearly have at least one of the more capable bright locker rooms absolutely uh, in the nfl definitely like definitely maybe golden sash will recruit out of the buccaneers <laughs> locker room sometime but um you know, definitely, definitely exciting. Even if Watson isn't seeing the field, you know, it's exciting seeing a Quaker on, you know, an NFL roster. Absolutely. There's and, a, and you know that that team's pretty deep at wide receiver right now. But you could definitely see situations, whether in like, like late game situations when when things are already decided or somebody gets injured. You know, we don't want to root for that, but it's definitely on the table that he he could come into an NFL game. I mean, they they didn't keep him on the roster for nothing, so. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think I think they drafted him not expecting huge contributions. I mean, they drafted a receiver at one of the strongest positions that they have. Right. And 
I think uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, Deshaun Jackson has a contract coming up. I mean, I don't. They're probably going to be inclined to resign him after this. If he I keep, think so. Yeah. Keeps this up, but there's. I mean, look, there's going to be spots that open up. I definitely am not like discouraged. He didn't. He's not inactive because he can't play. It's because right. you know he's, you know, he's a rookie who came into a wide receiver room with a lot of talent. Versus, you know, you have Ronald Jones, the Buccaneers running back, their second round pick who they slayed to be the starter, fell out, is now game day inactive because, you know, he got his spot gripped. Watson's game day inactive is a lot different from other players. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a numbers game. And right now, Justin Watson, you know, isn't one of the Buccaneers' top five wide receivers. Right. But Absolutely. definitely, you know, it's pretty near and good stuff coming out of practice. And, yeah. you know, maybe this time next year he'll be a sleeper fantasy pick. That'd be great. Um, definitely something to root for. So we we also wanted to mention uh, Michael Collins, the Penn transfer, um, who's now at TCU. Got some game time last weekend, and uh, I, I don't know who 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 was TCU playing. Uh, they were playing Texas. Texas. Okay. They actually, so they were upset. Big uh, game. He got in in uh, in garbage time uh, when they were down by a couple scores. I'm not exactly sure what happened to this. They either yanked him because he wasn't playing well or because of injury. It's really interesting, actually, because uh, Collins transferred the year after Torgerson left, the year after Tor graduated and right. went on to the NFL. And he was probably slated to be a three-year starter, and at the very worst, like almost definitely would have been a starter this season if he couldn't beat out Fisher Colbury last right. season. But, you know, raises him quite. He could have been a three-year starter at Penn. Instead, he transfers to TCU, and he's now going to spend – you know, mo- is the, the current starter is the sophomore the same as Collins, and so he's likely to spend, barring injury, the next three years as a backup. So, I mean, it really brings up the question whether it's, you know, worth it to transfer to that high level of college football, even if you're not going to play. Right, totally. I definitely, one of my best friends was his uh, roommate, well, not his roommate, was on his hall, mm-hmm. friend, and we were, it was, it, I mean, it's bizarre, because you, right. you, you think you, a player of his caliber, he was someone who was definitely, a, you know, above the pay grade of what a usual Ivy League recruit is. Right. And considering he already kind of made that sacrifice to come down, come down a level from what he was, could have played at to play right. at a pen, like an Ivy, an Ivy League school, you know, for the academics, et cetera, you would think that he would, you know, be right when, like, the quarterback job opened up, that's when he'd want to stay the most. But right when he had the opportunity to play, he bolted. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um... But hey, you know, wish him nothing but the best. Of course. Uh, hopefully, of course. hopefully, you know, you can get get some get more time at job. TCU. Yeah, that, that'd be great. A uh, great look for the Ivy League. So, um, just to bounce around quickly to uh, a couple other sports, um, did want to shout out um, men's soccer. Got off to a pretty good start this season, although they've had some trouble on offense recently. Um, and women's soccer is uh, six and one and one at this point. They just drew against Harvard in the opening of Ivy Play for uh, that season, and and that matches the program's best start um, in history. I think '98 was the last time that they they went six and one and one through the first eight games. So um, big shout out to women's soccer, really putting it together this Definitely year. Definitely come up. Oh yeah. Um, and then uh, sprint football got their season started against Cornell in a big game um, that they. Obviously, won handily. What, no, they didn't win handily. Oh, they didn't win handily. Won sixteen seven. Oh, never mind. Okay. Yeah. The, so Eddie, or Eddie Jenkins, uh, star quarterback, got hurt, and uh, you know, from then it it was a slugfest. 
You know, right. Sixteen seven wasn't a pretty game, but uh, the Quakers pulled it out. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll be back uh, this coming week. It's definitely. Uh, I mean, I mean, look. Long story short, they need Eddie Jenkins to beat the service academies. The CSFL Collegiate Spring Football League. It comes down to. It usually comes down to three teams: either Penn, Navy, or Army. Right. And it it'd be tough to bet on the Quakers you know, if. Bet on the Quakers without Definitely. without Jenkins. So, yeah, so you know, wishing him a speedy recovery. Absolutely. For his own sake and also you know for Penn Sprint football's chances at a championship. Definitely. We are wishing that that Carter was here. Carter obviously is on the Penn golf team and is a a really serious golfer. To but we just wanted to mention because how can you not? Tiger Woods obviously won the Tour Championship this past weekend. Um, really big deal. His um, many, many years now on the comeback for Tiger, um, and it's great for him to be back at the highest level of golf and uh, winning championships again. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Honestly, I mean, as much as you might not like Tiger the person, you can't deny his greatness. And, That's right. You know, yeah. Sometimes you just can't hate on greatness. So it's like the war. Like people like to hate on the Warriors, but I think we should just sit back and enjoy you know, Definitely. People at the top of their craft. I mean, it's something something special when you know, and it, it's something that happens not just once in a generation, but like to see the actual greatest, or or, or one of the greatest at a sport. Um, you know, you're not even guaranteed that during your life. So when when you do get to witness it in a sport, I think it's definitely something to appreciate. You know, I mean, there's you got Tiger Woods in golf, LeBron in basketball, right. Tom Brady in football. I mean, it's it's a special it's a, time to be a, a sports special fan. time to be a sports fan. Absolutely. And now it's time for our favorite segment here on the Penalty Box, Hard-Nosed Player of the Week. Um, Carter, obviously, missing out. Um, he will be given a loss. He will be 0-1. Right, to start the season, and uh, that's too bad for him, but he couldn't be here, so that's the way it goes. Um, uh, our uh, sports editor and sometimes producer, Yossi Weitzman, is in the studio to... Uh, decide who wins this week's award and Mark you're welcome to go first. Uh, so my hard-nosed player of the week has no doubt is uh, Carrick and Brooks. Uh, he had a monster game uh, against Lehigh, three touchdowns including a huge 75-yard run at the end. Uh, put up 10 yards of carry so basically every time he got the ball he was a walking first down. Um, on the season he has uh, five rushing touchdowns in two games. Uh, this is a guy who's truly balling out. He's, you know, running on the edge, between the tackles. He's really doing it all in the ground game for Penn football. And he's helping them to their 2-0 start. And that's why I think Harrison Brooks is our hard-nosed player of the week. So my nominee for hard-nosed player of the week is Sasha Stevens. Um, she's a senior captain on women's soccer. She's accounted for five goals already this season, um, which is... Uh, if, if you haven't followed women's soccer, last year they scored only 10 goals the entire season, so she's um, already at 50% of that number, and she's accounted for a third of the total goals scored this season, which is just a huge amount, um, especially for someone who's not a striker. Um, she's an incredible team player, really important uh, chemistry person, um, and the reason that I'm nominating her for Hard-Nosed Player of the Week is actually none of those things. The reason is that in the team's nil-nil draw against Harvard in the opening of um, Ivy League play last weekend, uh, the goalie, Katie Q, who usually um, 
and and even in that game is is an incredible goalie was slightly out of position and it looked like Harvard had a really good chance to score which obviously given the result of the game would have meant that Penn would have lost um, and Sasha just stepped up um, you know ran right into the way and 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 took a kick from inside the box like right to the body um, just just put herself on the line um, and I, I asked her about it after the game because um, it was easily the, the most impressive play of the night and and you can see you can look on, look on our website if you want to see the quote verbatim but she basically says um, I will put any part of my body on the line to prevent the ball from going in the goal and I don't think there's much that's more hard-nosed than that I mean toughness grinding it out refusing to to back down and to relent and, and that's why Sasha Stevens is my nominee though that Carter Thompson is the softest. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not because he plays golf. I mean, you know, he's not here wherever he is. Carter, we miss you. But, um, but yeah, I just want to throw that out Absolutely. There. Carter, please come back, but you're soft. All right. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I will say I'm a big fan of Carter, so I don't want to hear any of this soft <laughs> stuff. Uh, second of all, uh, I think both of the selections you guys have made uh, were very worthy candidates. Uh, in the end, I'm going to, you know, I feel pretty clear about the decision I'm going to come to, uh, but I would just say it has nothing to do with the performances of the players. It has entirely, it has everything to do with the presentations of uh, Mark and Sam. Uh, one of your guys' arguments was very concise, very persuasive. The other one of your arguments was uh, um, it left something to be desired. So uh, with all that said, uh, this week's hard-nosed player of the week is KK Brooks. Just kidding. It's uh, Sasha Stevens. Sorry. Awesome. So uh, Sasha Stevens is our hard-nosed player of the week this week, and that's it for the penalty box. Uh, thanks to my co-host, Mark Margolis, uh, our producer and podcast editor, Ali Johnson. Um, Yossi Weitzman for being our special guest and the whole sports department. Uh, we have a lot of great content up right now. Go to thedp.com slash sports. There's a great, uh, it's about to be published, a great profile on Gavin Barger. Okay. Check that out. Check that out. Check out all our, our, all our other content. we got a lot of great stuff, and thanks for listening. <laughs>